to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal with Conan Neutron and Josh Davis. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that we've brought about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with shop and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's It's like a science thing, right? Indeed, 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 it is a science thing and a science place. Welcome, one and all, to the home of the Protonic Reversal. We welcome you to it. Hello, Josh. Hello, Conan. Uh, You know, I'm doing. How are you? Maintaining, man. Yeah. Maintaining. Whole lot of life out there. Oh, fucking fantastic, boy. (laughs) Let me tell you. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know where that voice came wow. from but uh yeah it's it's it's, it's fine that's fresh <laughs> yeah exactly it's a well, well, hey. Uh, hey 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 <laughs> wow little campers oh. uh no nah, you know point, point. We're, we're 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 getting through it yeah uh, yep. and uh yeah, yeah welcome to the show yeah, boy, that's, a, <laughs> that's a hell of a way to intro a show we're getting yeah, through yeah, it yeah i guess uh, we're, we're hanging on by a thread yeah you know <laughs> you know, as I long guess as they're still okay. hanging on by that thread, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean something like that, right? Something like that. What can you do? You keep on doing. Uh, so welcome to the show. Yeah. <laughs> Christ on a fucking cracker. It's hey. Show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're off to the races. Ooh. Yes, uh, we got a we got a double we got a double header today. Double header, everybody. A double header, everybody. We're gonna take this all the way to the 18th inning. <laughs> did you, did I, I talked about uh, Brockmeyer, right? I think I did. I think, think I mentioned that. I think so. Yeah. Episodes. Yeah. Um, well, I won't talk about it again then. How about okay. that? <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, we're going to uh, be talking to two folks. We're going to be talking to Mr. Joe Cardamone of Icarus Line. His new record out, and he is a returning guest. He's always a good time, and uh, there's been a whole hell of a lot that happened since the last time he was on the show. And then we're going to also be talking to Michael Grodner, who produced a documentary slash biopic called The Icarus Line Must Die. <laughs> and it's it's a very interesting... Spoiler interest- is not title. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, a very, it's an interesting movie. He's an interesting fellow. I've actually known... Uh, I've known him for a long time. He's done a bunch of music videos and stuff like that. Interesting fellow. So we're we'll talking to him first. We're we'll talking to Joe Cardamone. Uh, always a fantastic, fantastic dude to be talking to. It's going to be. We're getting through it, guys. All right, <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting through it, everybody. Hey, everybody, we're going to get on through this last together. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much helpful, how much more helpful it is if we do that voice on it. I don't know. It just sounds like we're fucking insane, frankly, uh, which I guess true. is most of radio. But. Hey, everybody. It's Dark Tom's out there. Hey, everybody. <laughs> don't drink that Kool-Aid just yet. Whoa. Wait for this next break. 
Oh, Jesus Christ, don't fucking crack yeah. it. Yeah, we're, we're not losing our minds. No, it's, we're doing fine, man. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, what, what do we, who's the last person we talked about? Rick? Yeah, yeah. What happens is then? Anything important? Uh, uh, um, nope. <laughs> no, nothing, huh? I'm gonna say no. <laughs> All right. Uh, I sent, well, I since have gotten the, uh, the, the package that was being packaged during that episode. Oh, yes, yes. Just to, to give an update. Yes, that was completed. Yes. yes. And I now have my record in cassette and minifigs and I'm enjoying them all. Very much. Oh, you know what? I should bring the minifigs down here. Oh yeah. I, I didn't. I, I haven't actually assembled them yet. I haven't. I haven't assembled mine either. I keep meaning to. I take want to want to keep mine at work. Staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> are, they, are, are the minifigs making it weird? No, they're they're too uh, Lego-y to make it that weird. Well, that's that's an interesting metric. Why? Well, well are Legos inherently trustful? Is that what you're trying to say? Or? Well, in a certain way, because, I mean, you know, the, the, that particular style of Lego minifig was just, you know, we, well, we all grew up with it. That's true. You know, so it's, 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 it's a, it's like, it's, you, could, you could call it a trusting face, you know? Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Sure. I'll say yes. You're putting down. Also, yes. <laughs> the answer in the God damn it. Affirmative. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What have I been doing? Stuff. Stuff, things, etc. Uh, yeah, gonna go down to uh, Chicago next yeah. weekend. Have ourselves a little barbecue. Well, why are you gonna do that, Josh Davis? Well, because it's the PRF barbecue. It's the tenth anniversary. It and, oh my god, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna, it's be, gonna, gonna be a grand old time. We will maintain until then. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll do that. And then uh, week after that, the hi fi is going in to uh, start making our new record. That's a fun thing. That is a fun thing. That's a long-awaited thing. Looking forward to that. It's only been uh, so. I, I, I guess six it, years. Or have, have you guys in as a as a guest? It's <laughs> <laughs> weird. It's <laughs> fucking odd. That's it'll be a little weird. Conflict of interest alert. Whoop whoop. I'm only the co-host, man. It's fine. <laughs> if I did a conflict of interest alert for every episode of the show, well, pretty much. Fuck. <laughs> Get about it. Uh yeah all right what else anything uh, that's that's a good amount of stuff to talk about I suppose those are good I don't know you got uh, you haven't been doing any shows recently you did uh, the one or have I so did the one since did I play did I play the West Coast since last time uh, uh yeah I, don't, I really don't remember <laughs> yes you were you were, you, know, you went out to the West Coast and came back before we did the before we did the Rick episode oh yeah okay that's for right. sure. Okay, so, so the, that's been covered. Yeah, pretty much. I don't have anything to report then. All right, <laughs> dicking around. <laughs> You're <laughs> welcome, come, America. Uh, just dicking around. You know, there's. I can't even say we released a new single because that's going to be Monday. Mm. So, what's that, that one coming? Line. Uh, that's uh, so that's Adam Four, which is uh, Nanagon and Connor Neutron, the ah. Friends, Protons and Electron series. Monday it drops, baby. Boom. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Tune your internet browsers over to the. <laughs> <laughs> Bandcamp like website. <laughs> I'm 40 years old. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone started freaking out about the tropical fuck storm record. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. I like it. I still am not crazy about their name, but they seem to abbreviate as TFS, which makes sense. <laughs> it does kind of make me think that they should be having some reports that maybe have some covers that need to be changed, but you know, that's an American mm, thing perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> mm. 
yeah. Yeah. If you could just uh, make that record over the weekend, I'm going to have to ask you to come in on Sunday and that'd be great. Have fan practice. That'd be great. It's a good record, though. Yeah, yeah uh, I like it. You know, I'm... I didn't like, you know, it hasn't grabbed me like it has grabbed some folks that we know, but uh, I do like it. I originally balked at the at the price for the digital download. This is this is a, this is a uh, interesting area to explore. But I, I originally was like, "What?" Because it was like I think it was like uh, like fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars. I was like, "Oh, fifteen dollars Australian." Ah. So in in conversion, <laughs> that basically means it's like eleven bucks and like you know some some a fennig. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's it's not a. Uh, it's it's not that expensive at all, and I was like, oh, and I don't know what like why was I like offended that it's like oh it's another five dollars. I don't know. I, I, don't I just know. feel like I don't feel like for a digital song it should ever be above a dollar. Like it, this better be some some song if it's over a dollar. <laughs> I don't know why that that's my metric. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, it was it was Australian money. Yeah, they have money down there, Josh. Did you did you have any idea? I've heard. Yeah, I've heard they have nuts. they have they have money and they have smoke breaks. That's what I know about. Uh, <laughs> they do have smoke Australia. breaks. Yes, <laughs> that's. I feel like that was a mini flashpoint that happened. Uh, it was like first thing, credit where credits due. Tony Ash of Conan and the Secret Friends fame brought that to a lot of people's attention. But that was Chris Bullock. That oh, was yeah. all Chris Bullock. He brought that. He brought that to me as just like a, I'm texting you this thing, like months and months before I heard it from anyone else. And I was like, this is amazing. And then, like, it kind of gradually became something that we became obsessed with over tour <laughs> and, you know, so on and so on. And then suddenly they opened for Queens of the Stone Age down in, in Australia. And I'm like, wow, that is an interesting cultural flashpoint. Well, and, that's fan- and that's fantastic because it, it definitely, like, uh, it hits a couple, a couple things. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I mean, I got the idea that they were getting some attention other places as well. Like, uh, you know, Burger put out their tape. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, 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 so, like, yeah. There's so definitely they, some other ears that well, were on. It, was it wasn't just out. us, obviously. Well, um, <laughs> it, it just it, within within our bubble, it was it was. Uh, I'm definitely gonna say that it, it definitely helped for sure, just, but it, sure it was it, it was definitely yeah. I'm sure it existed before that. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was uh, I mean, it wasn't yeah, even, good for them. Even their second uh, or not the even chats. Their first thing was a few, you know they had a the chat smoko listeners is what we're talking about yeah and it's a uh, it's a if you you should see the video if you haven't already you probably have <laughs> that's or you're probably like whatever grandpa i knew about it two years ago yeah, sure you did but um, i don't think those i don't think they were even a band two years ago i told you we uh closed the tour we covered that at the, the last song you did <laughs> <laughs> exactly like one person was like freaking out it was Jeff from the Meishi was like it's like oh my god and everyone's like what the fuck is this <laughs> I don't know this song perfect <laughs> so perfect. yeah it achieved, it achieved the goal yes anyway uh, we're getting back uh, Michael Michael Gardner is going to be on and uh, let's listen to uh, a song by the Air Line and then um, we'll be back after that oh yeah we will be on Smoko folks that's right we will be on Smoko leave us alone so leave us alone
All right, that's Ride or Die by the Icarus Line from All Things Under Heaven. It kind of does some other stuff for a while, but uh, we got we got a show to run here, so little, uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna get right down to it. Uh, <laughs> that is uh, All Things Under Heaven uh, 20, 2015. 2015, I think. I think it was twenty fifteen. Uh, that was the when that record came out, and that was the last time that I had Joe on, and that's a uh, good sort of snapshot of where the band was at the time. And, of course, the uh, the movie, The Icarus Line Must Die, is sort of like a little bit post post that period. And we're going we're gonna to talk now to uh, Mr. Michael Grunner. How you doing, sir? Good. How are you? Very good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I, I, I very much enjoyed the movie. I'm, I, as I believe I mentioned, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift the veil and say it's the first time we've actually had a filmmaker on where I've actually seen the movie before having them on. And even then, I snuck no, it in like a great. couple hours beforehand. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. It's it's a it's a short movie as movies go though so yeah yeah and it, it reminded me of when I saw the yeah. Slint documentary Lance Bangs was actually there to answer questions but he's there to answer questions before the movie and he's just like this is really awkward does anybody have any questions and of course everyone just sort of like stared at their feet and well when Buzz Osborne had the best response he's like oh you should just ask him if it's any good <laughs> <laughs> I was like god damn it <laughs> shit. <laughs> Uh, that said, uh, and, and welcome to the show, by the way. Thanks thanks so much for calling in. I'm excited to have you. Josh Davis here, my co-host. Hello. Hello. How you doing? Groovy. I appreciated that there was a sort of a Jim Jarmusch-style element with with the black and white in the movie. Like, it was definitely, yeah. like, it, it seems like a movie that, and I see this as someone that watched it on a cinema display, but uh, it seems like the kind of movie that would actually do really well, like, being seen in a theater with some friends. And... I thought that the balance of that was interesting. Now, now was that? Am I right in, in thinking that it was shot in color and uh, color removed when you when you did that? Right. Well, you know, obviously the Jim Jarmusch influence is, uh, you, you know, definitely he, he his films and the films of that era when he was first starting making films um, are, are definitely an influence. And obviously, he's worked in black and white with Stranger Than Paradise and Down by Law. Uh, so, uh, and, and there are other films of that era, like there's a picture called The Foreigner by Amos Poe that's also shot in black and white. Uh, so, so it's, it's, it's that sort of aesthetic that we were after, that no-wave aesthetic. And um, so, so, yes, that was definitely behind the thinking of why we wanted this movie to be black and white. Well, and I think it, it, it fits the motif well, and especially, and I say this as a fan of... of those kinds of films that there's a lot of sort of slice of life uh, kind of like talky bits that are you get to kind of while you're like watching these people have this discussion having this interaction you're kind of like noticing other things in the room and you're noticing other things that are part of the process uh, of of the scene unfolding and I thought it fit the story and I'm going to call it a story because it's not a straight documentary, uh, right? I mean, well, I, I, I haven't right. seen the movie. Well, it's not, uh, yeah. definitely not a straight I, documentary. I can say that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, I always sort of bristle when people say documentary because it's not a documentary. I mean, we, you know, everything was, I would say, a lot of what we did was staged uh, and everything was planned out, uh, right. you know, pretty, pretty, uh, 
Yeah, we, we yeah we planned everything out and 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 outlined everything and everything was pretty detailed, but uh, but I understand why you know one would think. Yeah, and especially because it's it's a kind of thing where it so much of it seems so plausible, but it's in that in that way where you know you'd be like, wait a second, how did they get? Wait, how did they, there was a cameraman following them while they were doing? Like like no, of course there wasn't a cameraman following them while all that was going on, but mm-hmm. it's uh, I think it lends itself well to the filmmaking that it all it all seems very natural and right down the line, and part of that is because of um, the, the the sort of aesthetic piece of it. That it just yeah it, it kind of seems what, like a like a like a uh, what what am I what's where what I'm, I'm reaching for something it kind of it seems like something where it's a vignette almost there we go right you know what we you know the movie is okay so it's all based on real stories real stories that come from Joe's life and what he experienced in the Icarus line uh, and and Travis Keller also was helpful in in bringing out these stories. So everything is based in real life. Most of the actors in the picture are actually playing themselves. So the only one, the couple that aren't, I mean, for instance, Ariel Pink is not playing himself. He's playing uh, a former member of the Icarus line, but he's kind of an amalgamation of of several members. Um, But uh, so, yeah, that, that definitely gives it... Look, we were striving for this authenticity, and I think, and I, and I'm hoping that's what we were able to achieve by that. Well, and I think you you, you bring up an important point that way because a lot of times, you know, there'll be incredible stories and incredible like sort of slice of life parts of being in a band, but they don't all happen in like succession uh, <laughs> that where every everything happens in a, in a very cinematic way. So I think it's kind of, I actually think it's better ultimately as a watching experience to have something you know in a in a tighter uh like a more constricted format to allow that to kind of breathe a little bit and and have those like oh no this is yeah th- this character is not necessarily like a living human being but is yeah like an amalgamation uh, of a couple actual people that existed that like did these certain things and that allows you to kind of advance a plot forward and kind of, I don't know, make something a little more interesting, but also at the same time, true to the character of the, of the subject. And I think that's, I haven't seen that that much. So I'm trying to think, I've seen a couple, but I haven't seen that that much. And, and it's kind of like, I think it's, it's a more daring and interesting film choice. And so is that something that you brought to to Joe and to and Travis, or did you like you guys decide that on your own, or like how did you decide to do that? Well, if yeah, if you're asking why we sort of uh, you know we we used a character that was basically a uh, uh, you know a, a mix of several different characters, well, you know there are certainly I mean the Icarus line has been has been around for quite a while, and they and Joe has a lot of different stories about different band members that either have came came through the door or tried out for the band and, and didn't make it through the door. So there are a lot of stories that he has uh, for that type of person that would be a part of the band. But also, I think a lot of people know and are familiar with Aaron North, um, yeah. uh, who, who is in the band. And, and you know, there, there are a number of stories involving him as well. And he's not in this film. But, uh, you know, I, I guess he's the, you know, he's the main name of, of, of former members. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it seemed like the Ron character, you know, kind of was was meant to be like an amalgamation of, of a lot of those types of folks, but also kind of alluding to that without outright suggesting necessarily. 
And I mean, I think I recall when we had Joe on the show last time, he even talked about the member that tried out and just was literally dicking around with pedals for what seemed like that's eternity. right. <laughs> no, that's totally, yeah, that's totally right. And that's, yeah, that was sort of the, the, uh, uh impetus for that particular scene. Which is funny because he, I mean, the character in question is literally just dicking around with pedals and, and like, you know, trying totally. to, like, <laughs> and trying to like get the sound of like, well, what sound are you trying to get? It sounds like a chrome b-side right now but like you aren't really playing and you're just fucking around with stuff and just and, like, and what's great is i mean you know ariel pink is a musician he right. knows exactly you know he knows you know exactly what joe's talking about he knows exactly <laughs> that guy yeah and he Absolutely. knows how to play him yeah and and that was what was so interesting is like uh and, and i kept having the moment of like watching it, i'm like i think like where do i know that guy from like oh snap that's ariel pink and like i totally had that Kind of like, oh yeah, that's actually a really good role for him to play because it probably doesn't require any prep work <laughs> at all. Like you know, we've we've met that kind of person, right? <laughs> right. Know? So right. No, he Ariel was great. I mean, he kind of slipped into that role perfectly, and he, I think, he really kind of embraced it. So he was he was a lot of fun. Well, and it's interesting too because the the story of the movie it's it sort of uh, you know it, it rings true because it's sort of. Uh, you know, the Icarus line in contemporary times, sort of like the sort of aging rocker, you know, with a band that's still rewarding and doing stuff, but, you know, is, hasn't really uh, taken over the world necessarily. And sort of the, the challenges of keeping that going with life stuff. Uh, and specifically, right. I, I was thinking about like the like the, the stuff with Alvin, who, uh, I mean, if I remember, he was diagnosed with cancer, right? I mean, that was like a... Yeah, I mean, yeah, Alvin is in the picture, and he, you know, he he had cancer when we were filming the picture. That's nuts. Um, you know, uh, sadly, uh, he passed away uh, several months ago. Um, you know, just as the movie was sort of, uh, uh, you know, get you know, getting into festivals and getting some nice nice uh, you know awards here and there. So yeah, that's one of the uh, you know sad uh, you know features of the picture is that. A couple of people who were in the movie, um, Alvin and uh, and Cadillac Ron, ha- have passed away since the picture was completed. Yikes! That's wow. Yeah, that's heavy. Rough. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. We start. Believe me, I don't, know, I don't know if you heard the start of the episode, but we definitely started off heavy, so it's we're doing fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's, you know, yeah, look the. the it's 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 true it's true to life and and that's what we have in the movie and but i think you know th- there's there's a lot of that kind of darkness that has somehow followed the Icarus line too throughout their career right but also there being just kind of this this roller coaster like uh feel to it where you know continuing on and and sort of like i feel like when we had the uh when we had Joe on for the last record, I feel I actually and like somebody's in in the um, what's like Keith Morris in the movie says something about like oh I think it's your you know this is your your best record since uh, the other one the, the one uh, other one everyone likes and I was sort of like oh yeah. soiree yeah yeah and I, and I was like I totally felt yeah. that way when I heard it I was like this is oh. this is a badass record like this is good no I th- I think that's a great record I mean I I remember putting it on the top ten we did a you know Dirty Laundry TV top ten list I put it on there. I mean, that's kind of how the ball got rolling with the movie, in a way, at least for me. Um, I, I had gone to Joe's studio, and he was, uh, you know, he, he played me the new record, I guess, before it was released. 
And I heard it in his studio, and I was, you know, literally blown away. I mean, it was, you know, he's playing it really loud, and uh, it sounds incredible in his in his studio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, no, the record is great. Yeah, I really like that one, and and that's the that's the somewhat uh, the the album that we're talking about in the film. Right, and that's even I mean, that's the album that. Yeah, I, well, I was going to say, and even like the the one the one character, the record executive, is sort of like you know, hey, there's like two there's like two songs in here that are like well over like six to eight minutes. Like you know, this isn't a very you know, that's it's awesome, but it's kind of a head fuck of a record of which it is, which is one of the things I kind of liked about it. I was like, oh, they're just it's kind of like a there's are no more, uh, and it's okay to curse here, by the way, but there's no more fucks left to give. Uh, kind right. of rock and oh, roll. Oh, totally. Right, and that's kind of what I dig about it. By the same point, like, yeah, it is a very dense listen in that in that same way, and I could, I, and so it was interesting to kind of see that play out because uh, you know when I had uh, Joe on, on the show last time, I was like, yeah, this this record's pretty cool, but like, I don't really know if like music, certainly music journalism, but the music world is like ready for this right now, and that kind of seems to be like addressed head on within the movie. And I think that's yeah. something that, um, you know, even if, if you're not, if you don't identify with the Icarus Lands music, that battle and that, like, those ideas, I think will resonate with a lot of folks. Like, I think it was, like, very a familiar thing for, for a lot of people. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, you make a movie and you're hoping that it has a bigger audience than, say, you know, the people who are necessar- just necessarily fans of the band. Right. And, and, and while I'm making this picture and I'm seeing, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of parallels with my own life. And, and just, I think, I think that people, you know, any person who considers themselves a creative person or an artist to some degree, you know, who kind of puts themselves on the line with whatever they're doing, you know, and to be judged, I think can relate with this because this is what Joe is doing, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe on a bigger scale than, um, you know, someone who maybe isn't uh, creating music and trying to get it you know, play it on radio or something like that. But uh, I, I think that people can relate to that. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you know, everybody kind of considers themselves a creative person. And if you create stuff and you put yourself out there, you know, you're, you're going to get smacked down. And, and you know, Joe, um, you know, shows that side in this picture as well. But he also shows the, the you know, the, the, the satisfaction of the creative process and why you're doing it. You right, know, exactly. creating music and also the connection with the audience. So, uh, you know, the, you see all sides. Yeah. And I think that that's and again, like I said, that's certainly the part that kind of resonated a lot with me. And, and I think that especially when you think about where the Icarus line came from, which and, you know, again, I'm going to give Travis his, his uh, second mention. Uh, here, but you know, I, I, as much as I adore Buddyhead and uh, adore Travis, like I feel like it took a long time for the Icarus line to sort of like get out from under the shadow of just what Buddy had was. And, and, and that idea of this being this kind of pop culture commentary about music that is sort of like taken for granted now and looked at as like a thing that happens all the time with everyone kind of pulling their own couch version of MST3K version of it. But I feel like that kind of colored like, Oh yeah, that's like some Buddy had thing. And it kind of, maybe short sold people's idea of what the band could be and the, the band could do. And I think that the movie does a really good job of sort of presenting Joe as, you know, not just as an art, as an artist and with that art, but like kind of 
the idea of just like the artist that is the aging the aging artist trying to like still do what you do, which I think is a fascinating story and obviously one that I think that resonates like heavily with a lot of folks. And it's 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 trapped within this um the narrative is is put forward in such a way I think that's like it's a very taut narrative. But it's fascinating to me that he seems to be like almost a perfect messenger for that. Whereas I'm not going to lie. There's like when I, before I actually saw it, I was like, all right, this could be like some, uh, what's the fucking Brian's Jonestown massacre. What's the uh, dig <laughs> dig. Yeah, oh yeah. Was like, dig. dig. Which fine. Like, you know, it was a fine movie. I, I, I found myself vaguely annoyed after watching it for multiple reasons. And I fully expected like, to have more of that kind of experience. No, no offense. This is actually a really terrible thing for me to tell you, but, uh, <laughs> but just to have that, like, oh, this is going to be like a bunch of people being reprehensible. <laughs> right. It's not. It's not that at all. It's this is a bunch of oh, cool. <laughs> this is people like being artists, and like this is like, and like the fact when he's dealing with the um, with the different folks, like there, there's like the uh, the one scene where he's talking in the, uh, uh, you know, about like he's you know money is an issue. He's like running this studio and like. It's like, oh, well, there's this band. They kind of suck, but, like, you know, it would be a good payday, and it kind of keeps <laughs> keeps the bus moving forward, so to speak. And it was sort of, I didn't expect there to be that kind of, like, you know, sort of, like, real talk, the uh, the art versus um, not selling out necessarily, but just, like, paying the bills, art versus commerce. Yeah, and I, I think that was... I think it was well put without necessarily being clubby over the head. Uh, right. It. And I think that that is right. lacking in a lot of movies of that ilk. And I thought that was a kind of a, kind of an impressive thing. Cool, thank you. Yeah, no, I think it's. I mean, it's it's interesting to me, and and it's also um, you know Joe has has a great deal of integrity, and and uh, that you know factors into it. And look, it's 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 a tough haul out there for people who are still making this type of music. You know, it's not necessarily. You know, it's not. It's not necessarily what you, uh, you know, top 40 stuff. And, and uh, um, you know, you, you, you need to make a buck, but uh, you also, you, know, you don't want to just compromise yourself. So it's a constant struggle. And, and hopefully, you know, we're able to portray that. But, uh, you know, a lot of that comes from Joe and comes from his real, you know, the ethos that he kind of uh, lives by. Yeah, and it's 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 something where well, and, and talk about the perfect subject for like a Jim Jarmusch style, <laughs> you know, talky kind of thing. And over and over again, I was I was taken aback by the fact that yeah, he's like the perfect guy to be have this about him because he's got all the the perfect quips and rejoinders. He's got all the like it, it's and it's a very natural thing for him to be. And in a way, I felt like it was probably one of the most representative things about sort of like the, the Los Angeles music world that I've seen. Cause everything tends to focus on like the success, 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 success. And then there's sort of like, Oh yeah, there was struggle. And that's like the first five minutes of the story. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we all know that is not the first fucking five <laughs> minutes of the fucking story at all. Like it's, it's definitely not the case. And I think it's, and moreover, I think there's less concentration on any artists that have been established artists that are not already successful that are still making art. And right. and I think it was interesting kind of seeing the dichotomies as as the you know the characters played out that also were you know I had the moment where I was like watching the movie and I'm like oh yeah and this is actually kind of really is happening too but it's also a stylized thing as well. 
and I think it's one of those things where it, it just kind of kind of it hit home because of that in that way. Like it seemed very truthful. Well, yeah. Again, thank you. Um, what I mean, what we did really was we took, you know, at the point when we started making the movie was, <clears throat> you know, Joe did sign a, a to a uh, so, a subsidiary of Sony that side with you know that that record was was eventually released by that label so yeah he had the success but what we did is we we took that moment and then we backtracked say six months and started the story there right so uh we knew where we were going but uh you know we uh we, we so so all that everything in that in the movie for the most part is is you know like you said, it's real. I mean, it's he's been through that. We just recreated it. Yeah, and I think that that's, like I said, it, it's the kind of thing where it, it makes for the the more poignant story too. For it having that that uh, that ring of truth and like having it be something where, you know, at various times you're very aware, you can be very aware that you're like I'm watching a movie and also like, oh no, this is like this a documentary like oh wait no it's both oh wait it doesn't matter i'm just kind of engaged with what's happening and i think that that's right. i think that's very a uh, very good representation of the art and then you also had things like uh, like i was shocked that you know it's like jerry stall shows up and like was that, was that something where uh like how did how did he end up being involved in in the movie well we again a completely uh you know true story um so uh Jerry Stahl and uh, Joe's wife's father were like childhood friends. Oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> okay. and Jerry, J- Jerry Stahl had come to Joe, and it was recommended to Joe because he wanted to do a recording, or, or he was commissioned to do a recording of, uh, a re recording of uh, Permanent Midnight, the book that he wrote, mm-hmm. uh, okay. that they eventually made a movie with Ben Stiller. But, um, so he was he was going to do a um, a vinyl version of that, like a, a you know book on tape in a sense, but a book on vinyl. Huh. And what happened was Joe and uh, I believe Joe and probably some of the other uh, members of the Icarus Line or or, or other friends of his um, did a score to uh, the, uh, the the reading, which is amazing and like you know he played some of it for me and it's really great and and it played it while. Jerry was reading the book. Uh, so, yeah, so that's how Joe got to meet Jerry, and that's the connection there. Fascinating. Okay, and that's interesting because it was like, that was another moment where I was like, all right, is this like a for the movie thing or is this a for real thing? And it's, it's <laughs> right. shockingly close to life, is what it sounds like. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, and then yeah, and, and the and not to give away the store with the book, but it's part of like you know he's he's running this studio and he's you know needs to needs, needs to pay the bills and kind of trying to figure out a way to do that without recording a bunch of butthole bands that are totally terrible. And yeah, he comes in to like do this like like it's an audio book ostensibly of right. uh, of um of a, uh, is it an audio book of permanent minute minute yeah right? yeah and, exactly yeah yeah and that's one of those things where like oh yeah well that's something where you're involved in with art that you enjoy and like you know and it's it's like not compromising your integrity but like you get to keep the lights on for another month too which is also laudable so I, I, right no a, to- a totally cool gig i don't know how much it necessarily pays but 
if it pays something, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in, in this in this world where most things that are that are vaguely artistic do not pay well, I think that that's right. <laughs> that's a, that's a nice thing. Uh, you also had a former uh, former guest in front of the show, Keith Morris, uh, from the yes. Zerks and Austin yes. Black Flag. In he was a. Uh, he was very, very key in there. That seemed very natural uh, when the first yes. years they're like hanging out at a record store. You know, that, that seems like something that would be very, <laughs> very it, it, yes, it does. <laughs> very right down the line for an actual Keith Morris thing. Uh, did right, you, right. Did, did you know? I mean, I know that they know each other in real life. Is that something where I think I think it wasn't he on a Dirty Laundry episode? Uh, he was on two, yeah, two Dirty Laundry episodes, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I know Keith from that. And I know him a little bit, you know, just from being in L.A. and being, you know, around. going to shows. Yeah, you know, yeah. Keith, you know, um, he's always around. I, I know that Joe knows him, you know, much better than I do. Um, Joe, so, so Keith was, when, when Joe signed to V2 Records, uh, Keith was, I, I believe, like an assistant there. And he eventually was like a, an A&R guy at, at V2. Because I do remember around that period of time, you know, every time I go to a show, Keith would be there. Right. <laughs> you know, scouting bands. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, no, he's done, and certainly somebody that, you know, I, I kind of like the picture and the way that it kind of bridges the sort of old and the new of, of in, in, you know, kind of the punk scene in L.A., and he certainly represents that kind of the old guard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's very much right right down the line for uh what um <laughs> the, the 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 generational thing we, we you know and speaking of dirty laundry j- and just for folks that, that are unaware because this is well technically i know you from kill kill me tomorrow uh the excellent uh san diego band <laughs> from way back when uh but right dirty laundry is an interesting uh series where you have a a, a artist or touring band that is um literally doing their laundry to laundromat and there's like a <laughs> and, and carrie or uh, actually i guess it's colleen a lot of times not colleen well green. colleen has been doing it recently yeah this past year it, it's been colleen green prior to that it was carrie k and then before that the first host we had was malia james right uh so and and just uh this is a little another story the original person i wanted to be the host of dirty laundry this was like probably 10 years ago was annie hardy who is in the icarus line must die oh really? uh, okay, and that's... yeah i i, <laughs> I mean I, well she used to be she used to uh, i mean i know known her from her music and then i also knew her she was a she was on a radio show called uh get the fuck up radio I don't know if you remember that. Uh, I don't, but I love it already. <laughs> GTFU. And it was a great show. And it was her and Aaron, uh, Aaron Farley, um, uh, someone other, another guy. But she's, you know, she is hilarious on that show. And I thought that's exactly the person I want to be the host of Dirty Laundry And when we first started doing it. But uh, one reason or the other didn't pan out. And, uh, and we ended up with Malia James, who was great. Um, but yes, uh, long story short, yeah, uh, yeah, I've been doing that for about nine years. Uh, dirty laundry. Well, and it's something you know, that, with over, over, over. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's something where the, you know it's it's in the it's in the name of the show, right? But it's I like I like that it's such a it's interesting in the way that uh, you know the the conceit of it just being in a laundromat is such a like it's a simple thing, but it works, and I think that that's uh, cool. 
and that's something where I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of folks that uh, would try to do something similar, and they wouldn't necessarily go for it. I mean, is that something where, like, are you? Is the laundromat like on board? They know you do this, or <laughs> like what is? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we when we first started doing it, we we just kind of because you know if you if you shoot in L.A. anything, you know everybody thinks like you're CSI or something, and right. then like yeah. the you know the money truck is backing up, right. and they're gonna get rich. Cartoon dollar um, signs appear in their eyes. It's it's a whole yeah. Thing. yeah. <laughs> and and you know, there's no way. There's no way we can do that. So, so we would, you know, initially, <laughs> initially we'd go in there and we'd shoot and we'd, you know, kind of keep our eye over our shoulder and <laughs> hope that the owner, because, you know, oddly enough, I don't even know this about laundromats, there's no, never really a boss there. Yeah. The person in charge is <laughs> not, not usually hanging out at the laundromat for like, you know, 24 hours. Right. So we, you know, we got lucky, but then people, you know, sometimes they, they get in, they get there and they you know they expect some money so we would you know pay them a little money and there was one particular place that we would shoot at for the majority of them that i don't know how much it was it was it maybe 20 at times maybe 50 bucks to uh shoot there and we we try to shoot a couple of episodes a few episodes at a time so it kind of worked out but uh yeah but uh, but a lot of the times i would say 50 percent of the time we're we're just going you know, we're just going in there and let it fly. Just <laughs> making it happen. Yeah. Well, and make it happen. And that's part of the reason I think that it's kind of, I don't know, it, it's got a, a, it's coming from a very punk rock place without necessarily looking like a punk rock show. And I, right. I mean that as a compliment because when I say a punk rock show, I usually mean no, no, that's, production values. Yeah. That's, to- <laughs> yeah, that's totally, totally the aesthetic. I mean, you know, from, from day one is, you know, it's it's a lo-fi aesthetic for sure. Well, and so. that, yeah, and that's and you also again, as I mentioned, I know you from Kill Me Tomorrow and the music video you did from them. You've did a, a, a bunch of other music videos as well. Uh, is this th- this is your first feature? Is that is that correct? This yeah, this is my first feature-length picture. Yeah, and is that something where? Is that intentional? Did were you just in a, in a situation where like it happened to make the most sense, or what was the? Well, yeah, I think the goal uh, is always to make a feature. You're shooting music videos because, and at least at least in my mind, and and I think a lot of people that I know, you know, you're shooting music videos, but the end the end goal is to make movies. Right. So that's always the 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 end goal, uh, and. And, um, yeah, so it, so basically I had a picture that, you know, a, a movie that was, uh, the budget was about a few million dollars. We were, we were trying to raise money for it. We put together an amazing crew. We put together, you know, some great actors that we thought, okay, yeah, we can go out to financiers with these actors and we can raise this, you know, $3 million or so. But it was, t- it, w- it was a tough you know, road to hoe to, to yeah. raise, you know, three or $4 million, which is, you know, a lot of money. And I think one of the, uh, you know, one of the things holding us up was financiers would say, well, has he directed a movie before? And, um, so that was, you know, that was why it was tough to, to, you know, raise, raise money. So, you know, we had, you know, and then, and then you have always have people coming in and saying, okay, we've got the money. And then, you know, when it's time to kind of put up a shut up, 
they disappear. Right. So it, it's a frustrating, uh, it's, it's definitely a frustrating process, uh, you know, waiting for money to come in, you know, waiting for the big, big right. money to come in. So I uh, finally got fed up with that and said, you know what, I got to, I just has, I have to make a movie. And the only way to do that is really to, to kind of put my own money in. And I had a partner on the picture who is a producer and editor. His name is Josh Crockett, who also pulled his money in. And, uh, and we just kind of went for it. Uh, so that, that's how this came about. Well, and it's fast. It's interesting too because you know one of the things is with when you're <clears throat> sort of first time feature maker, everyone kind of wants to know. Well, what else have you done? Like, well, I haven't been able to do that much because I can't get anybody to give me money. But we won't give you money until you what? do something. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a total catch twenty two. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's you know it makes sense though. It's like you know you have a million dollars and you can put it somewhere. Are you going to give it to the guy who's never done that before, you know? Right. So, so I get it. You know, I understand it. I don't like it, but I get it. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and, and, and so, and, and again, Michael, thanks so much for, for talking with us. Uh, it, it's been great Absolutely. You Thank you for having us. Yeah, if for you, having me. Yeah, and if you want to uh, find out more, uh, there's a Nick Line Must Die Facebook page. Um, it seems like there's a, there's a Twitter. There's a, there, all the normal social networking things that you could think of. You can, you can look it up. Um, yeah, we have, yeah, Icarus Line on Facebook. Icarus Line Must Die on Facebook and uh, the Icarus Line movie, the Icarus Line movie on Twitter. And we'll have uh, the Icarus Line Must Die dot com website uh, in the next day or so. And you've got a whole bunch of premieres coming up. You've got a it's just all kinds yes, of stuff. Yes, yeah. My, should 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 mention that uh, Wednesday, June twentieth. If you live in LA, we're having a big premiere at the Regent Theater, which is in downtown LA. And you can get tickets on Ticketfly for that. And um, uh, we're going to have the screening of the film, and then Joe is going to perform uh, some of his newest material, which is great. And uh, then Annie Hardy is also going to perform with uh, Rachel Hayden from That Dog, and wow. Blackie from Urge, Urge Overkill is going to wow. be on drums. Wow. And, okay. yeah. And then, and then uh, Melissa Brooks, who's also in the movie, she's, a, she's the, uh, uh, the, the main... Uh, person in the uh, in the Aqua Dolls, she's going to perform, and Keith Morris is going to DJ, and together Pangea are going to DJ. Fascinating, and then that's uh, so. Is is Annie going to be singing any songs about reptilian shapeshifters? That's what I want to know. I'm hoping. I've... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's great. So yeah, f- look at that on, on Facebook. Uh, I believe there's yeah, there's a Twitter account. Uh, go to the website. Um, yeah, RSVP for the. I should also I, yeah I should. I should also mention that it's going to open in L.A. on that uh, on the 22nd of June at the Lemley Royal, which is in West L.A. So it'll be in a proper theater for about a week before it goes national, which we'll have dates. You know, we'll if you follow us on Facebook or Twitter, we'll let you know. Um, and then it goes to on July 10th. It goes to a video on demand and iTunes and Amazon oh, well, quick and turnover, streaming right? services. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you can actually see it in your home. But but you should see it in a theater. It's it's fun to see in a theater. I, and I will I will say that I'll say two things. First of all, the Melvin's documentary still isn't available for streaming, which is obnoxious. But I've seen it, so that's fine. But the other thing is, I completely agree with that statement. Everyone always says that. every filmmaker always says that, right? But 
I actually feel that this is a good biopic documentary movie, et cetera, that would be well, this, as I think I started the interview with, you'd be well served seeing this in a, in a theater with friends. Like, I think this is like a, a, a good communal experience. And like, I think the, um, the crisp visuals would lend itself well to a, to a big screen. Cool. Cool. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks so much for, for being on, Michael. And uh, we'll uh, make sure to include those links in the podcast so folks can check it out. And, um, yeah, thanks so much for being on the air, man. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Cool. We'll, t- we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right. There he goes. Cool guy. That's uh, Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's... I feel like I got one over in you because I've seen it and you haven't. But oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. It's 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 a good movie. It's a good movie. I'll, I'll watch it. Uh, I'm excited to see it. Let's uh, listen to one of Joe's new songs off of the Holy War record, and then we'll uh, be back after that with Joe Cardon. We could also start that from the beginning too. Yeah, I, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, good times, folks. It was the last one you ever had. It was the last ship out to sea.
sad of things I'm just begging for it Begging for pain I will not Lowest of slow fades out with uh, let's pretend <laughs> let's pretend again with it's uh, <laughs> a slow fade man oh, yeah. that's like you got to, you got that one dude yelling about something he's letting all busy about that uh, yeah letting go is his name of that that's off of Holy War that's the new Joe Cardamon record it's it's a different different kind of thing from the Icarus line oh not gonna, not gonna lie no, like that's a it's a more of a lo- low key sort of affair but yeah that dude's still yelling about shit at the end of that record so that's oh, always yeah. cool and uh, joining us by phone uh, right now we have uh, Mr. Joe Cartman how you doing sir hey how's it going great to have you back hold on let's get yeah! you oh, uh, yeah, Michael didn't get the applause but he's not the star of the show so you're, you're the star of the show yeah, well hey your words name's but, the title <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw the movie, by the way. I saw I saw the Icarus Lion Must Die. I, I was mentioning to Michael, it's like the first time I've ever had somebody on where there's a film involved where I actually saw the movie before I had them on. So I really enjoyed it, man. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's not easy for me to enjoy it, but it, I can tell that there's something good about it. Yeah, so that's that's actually something that I wanted to to mention because... This is something where it, it's not exactly a documentary, not exactly a biopic. It's sort of like a a movie, a scripted movie based on real or realish interactions and events. So does that? It's, that's got to be fucking weird, right? It, I mean, <laughs> it's like a yeah, it's like a biopic starring the person who it's about. Yeah, and I'm trying to think if there's been anything yeah. like that. And the only thing I can think of is the Harvey Pekar movie, the uh, the American Splendor. Um, Right, which right. I really love. I yeah, the movie kicked ass. So totally, yeah. There's not. There's. I don't. I don't know a lot of films like it. I mean, uh, maybe like Downtown '81. There's like this film uh, about. Oh right, yeah. Sean Luke. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's a little looser, narrative-wise, but yeah, kind of a similar, sure, similar vibe. Well, and Michael brought up No Wave as well. We were talking about. Uh, Jim Jarmusch kind of like as a touchstone style wise. So was, was that something that you guys had in mind? I think he did. Uh, to, to be honest, like when we started, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, we appreciate like, your candor. We, you, we knew you would bring yeah. nothing less to Protonic Reversal. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, like, uh, it's like, Hey, we want to do a movie on your life. And it's like, all right. Uh, but I'm why? still living. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's, well, and it, it's cool. Cause it's something where, the lines do kind of get sort of blurred where like every, all the interactions, you know, obviously are a little smarter and a little more, <laughs> you know, there's not as much real life tends to have awkward pauses and, you know, you don't always say the most awesome thing ever uh, for sure. But it wasn't like over. Definitely. So. Like it, it wasn't like a, um, 
like the, the perfect example of overdoing that kind of thing is like and and i like it but like the aaron sorkin stuff like west wing and stuff like that where it's like all right come on like you just have all those facts and figures in your head and you're shouting them as you walk down the hallway come on get the fuck out of here i hate aaron sorkin's writing dude i'm not a fan it sounds like one person talking to themselves yeah, and I, I feel like him and David Mamet are, are both things that like I used to kind of like enjoy, and then the more I thought about, it, the more it sort of started to piss me off, and then, like the more I kind of find it distasteful, and like I don't know what it was where originally you, you oh, know it's cool, but like it's not that cool. It's not. It's not cool. You know whose uh, films kind of uh, Guy Ritchie's early films even kind of oh, yeah. do that too, yeah, where right. everyone yeah. It's just dimed, you know, and it's like sounds like one person, like they respond to each other like the same person. And there's something very like off putting about it because it begins to drone on your mind after a while, you know. Um, So I'm just not a fan of that because characters is kind of what it's really all about. And these guys are like, you know, they're like writers, but it's like, I don't know that the writing is to like serve their message, their ego, more than it is the actual characters, it seems, a lot of the time. Their soliloquy. <laughs> their sort of mm-hmm. monologue. For sure. Style. Yeah, right. <laughs> for, for sure. Yeah, it's like one long monologue, you know, to different, to varying degrees from project to project, but for sure, especially some of Sorkin's, like, TV stuff, it's like, yeah. whoa. This, it almost feels like an episode of, like, CSI or something. You know what I mean? It's like, jeez, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit it's a bit much. And, and I, I appreciate the fact that in the movie, everything seemed very natural. And sort of like, okay, you're getting, like, the best sort of, like, types of scenes for these to be with the most payoff without it being something where it's... Yeah, you know, again, there's nobody walking down hallways monologuing <laughs> to each other and shouting out facts and figures, which I always appreciate in any movie. Totally. <laughs> totally. I mean, a lot of it is really, like, uh, spontaneous in the moment anyways, you know? Um, there was, we had such limited time with people that there's no way people were going to learn a script, so it was kind of more of a debriefing breakdown of the scenario. Um and everyone, you know, I did a lot of the casting, if not all of it. And like, you know, everyone is kind of put into place, into a place where they can excel. You know, it's like, look, be yourself and this scene is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, it's, it feels that way too. Like it doesn't feel like you're watching people acting and it, you know, it's, yeah. with the exception of like some stage plays, there's very rare a time where I'm excited to watch people acting. <laughs> yeah. Unless someone, yeah. You know, unless it's something like, uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino, hateful eight, you know, cause you know what you're getting into and yeah, you're like, yeah. cool, let's see. Let's see how crazy this comic book's going to be. <laughs> right, exactly. No, totally. That's exactly the right thing. And I, I thought that, uh, you know, we, and we mentioned Jim Jarmusch earlier, I, I felt that, like, the way that everybody's interacting in the movie and the way that it's shot, just it brings to mind, to me, a lot of movies like, like Jim Jarmusch, like Down by Law and stuff like that, where it's just sometimes there's just people in a room and there's a natural interaction where there isn't someone talking a mile a minute, like getting all of the facts of the, that are needed for the story. Yeah. They're just like hanging out. <laughs> and I, for I, sure. And I feel like you really don't ever see that in anything involving music. And like, that's no. that really pisses me off. Music, music films tend to really suck. Cause 
usually it's either a biopic, which is starring some actors that have, like, very little grasp on what it means to kind of uh, come up through that. I don't know why. It just it never seems to work out that well unless it's, like, ridiculous, like The Doors, and it's just so bad that it's good. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. <laughs> or... You know, or the other side is it's just a, it's a doc. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like I talking say, heads and like the Anvil doc is, is. is Anvil doc is fucking awesome. Don't get me wrong, but it's like that's a specific yeah. kind, of, kind of thing. Right. And and what we mentioned earlier is that like it seems like the struggle is always like the first five minutes of the movie where it's like okay, yeah, that's not no, that's I understand that's not for like, sure. That's not an easy story to tell and may not be the most attractive story to tell, but that's like you're you're blowing past a huge part of what makes this important. Mm. Dude, speak of, speaking of blowing past important shit and Jarmusch, how crappy was the Stooges documentary? Like, that, to me, was just a total ball drop. Uh, yeah. I, you know. I, I gotta say, I feel like God. it was a... I, like a missed opportunity. It was a missed opportunity, yeah. yeah. Like, because it, it could have been... Big time. Because, like, okay, it's cool seeing that live footage, yeah, but it's like, I've seen a lot of that already. Oh, yeah. oh man. And You've I've seen books, all of it. You know? You've seen all of it. Just, you know... <laughs> You've seen it all. And the thing it's, the thing with that film is it didn't even know who it was for. Because it wasn't for hardcore fans. Because no. hardcore fans have seen and heard all that shit. Right. And then for the casual, per- casual person, they're not going to go anyways. Yeah. yeah. Gonna, who, you know what I mean? They're not, I don't give a shit about like, this. <laughs> right? Where was the heroin and glass? And, you know, it's like, dude, just read three chapters of Please Kill Me and it's, you're <laughs> yeah. done. And then you're you're already, what, like, six steps ahead, you know? Well, and, and yeah, you bring a very good point. Like, it, it does suffer from the who was this movie for uh, scenario because th- there just isn't, like, as much as, like, yeah, it's cool seeing that Ron Ashen footage where he, he was kind of, like, out in the wilderness so to speak, you know, like between before the Stooges came back and that's for sure. That's neat. But like, that's not worth a whole movie to like, tell me stuff I already know. <laughs> like, that's Come on, man. G- give us the, you know, it's, I, you know, I work, I've worked with James Williamson a couple times and I, I feel like he was kind of criminally underrepresented he's in the film. He's barely in that movie. And uh, <laughs> he's barely in it, you know, and, and I've alive. had, you know, I had dinner with him <laughs> one night and he told me the entire story of metallic KO uh, and him just telling the story of that night was a th- not just because it was me and him sitting there, but just the story of that night was a thousand times more riveting than anything that made it into that flick. I, I, I don't doubt so, it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I kind of feel about that movie. This is going to bear with me here. I feel like that movie's close mm. to like the Metallica and Lou Reed record, and the fact that it could have been really awesome. Yeah, and it just fucking wasn't. Yeah. And like, and it it's the same sort of thing where you just had a lot of people like, yeah, man, just just do it. That's or, fine. Or, or it could have been awesome, like some kind of monster, the best music the other way around. of yeah. all time. Exactly. Absolutely. AKA the real life Spinal Tap. Yes. Yeah. Right, the best thing ever made on a band. <laughs> we we uh, saw that in in my old band. We we, we wrapped a record and we went and saw that and uh, with, with John Conklin actually. And like oh, yeah. <laughs> we we were, went to dinner afterwards, and uh, he's just like, yeah, all I wanted to do the whole time was shout at the screen, just break oh. up. <laughs> it's awesome. It's yeah. so awesome. It's but, such a great movie. Those guys just killed it. <laughs> yeah, but I think there's something really interesting there too, and that the the team, you know, the two the two guys that shot that, had already done, you know, like Paradise Lost, and right? Like, or definitely like 
classy documentarians that really like had their shit unlocked. Knew, knew the form. Yeah. Whereas like I mean they had yeah. I love Jim Jarmusch as a filmmaker, but like I don't think of him as a documentary guy. Yeah, so as a documentarian, like, no. he's a great filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> so I think totally. And and those guys had like some moral leverage over Metallica or something because yeah. the fact that they let them be sh- you know shine a light on them in that situation is insane. It's so yeah. awesome though. It's fucking incredible. No, it's it's definitely like. <laughs> Like I, I, I'm gonna put it this way. I don't think we're gonna see the likes of that kind of movie again. You know what I mean? Because, oh fuck no! Because yeah. first no. of all, there aren't many bands that are at that level right. anymore. But just like, like from the perspective of just people are just too smart now. They're too, you know, yeah, it's everyone's like too a, savvy. Yeah, everyone's too savvy. It's like early reality TV, like the Osbournes and that Bobby Brown and Whitney show before kind of That's right. they knew how to edit anything out and kind of you know sort of produce reality those shows were so grisly dude like (laughs) you know they were so grisly and i think that that movie is still in that era of when reality tv they just like they put it all out there they're like i guess that's what this is and now you know yeah, now, now we know what happens. Everything's fake. Yeah. yeah. And it's terrible. Just like like all of those in, in that same way, like that whole genre of quote unquote reality TV, the fact that there's like a whole subgenre of scripted reality is like, what are yeah. you? That's no. That's what that's, I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's, man, yeah. Like, fuck and out to here, some man. extent, it's all scripted. To some extent, it, I mean, even like, you know, I watch a show about like tuna fishermen and that shit's fake. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. they got the fishermen fucking playing the camera. What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like the like that show where those uh, those dudes are fucking around in Las Vegas in the pawn shop. Like they don't they didn't really bring in like that pedal by Kurt Cobain. Fake as fuck. fuck. Yeah, yeah, come on. Fake as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. no way. <laughs> I well, know it. Well, and so on that same vein, I thought it was interesting that uh, in the movie, it's 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 was interesting that I feel like you got a better window into uh, the world of the like the latter day Icarus line. And, and yourself for sure without it necessarily being like oh here's joe going down to the bodega to get some coffee cake or whatever you know like, like that was, totally <laughs> like there was a good balance yeah. between that you know i you know honestly the thing that kind of got me through got my head through it and kind of put me onto like why it was a worthy project for all of us to put time into was that the further we kind of got into it, the more I realized that it's not really just my story. And there's like so many people, you know, all over the place that kind of live in a similar fucking space, you know? And Mm. once I was able to separate it from my life, I understood what it was for. You know, it's like, yeah, man, there's definitely people that can relate to what this is. And it's probably not so far from their lives. And yep. And, you know, my, my, I think my instincts were right because I've heard that a lot from people who were like, felt like they were watching their shit. Yeah, no. And I, that kind of, that helped, you know? I ain't gonna lie, man. There's some stuff I was like, ooh, that's a little too close to home. All right. <laughs> right? You know, but like, right? that's good. That's what you want because that makes yeah. it identifiable. Instead of, it, instead of it being this sort of, oh, good, yet another like rock and roll excess, you know, like whatever. Yeah, or like this enigmatic unrelatable fucking Daniel Johnston shit or whatever. You right, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where it's like, oh yeah, well he's he's you this know? great unique like person that, you know, all right, yeah, like a Rocky Erickson or something. Yeah, it's fascinating. But like it's not it's not 
<laughs> relatable. It's not relatable in the yeah. fact that, like, you know, like the fact that, like, you're in the, in the studio and sort of like, fuck, like, am I going to record this shitty fucking band to, like, just, like, make rent? And I don't really want to do that. And, like, you know, just, like, those kinds of, like, art versus commerce style decisions. And, like, the, For sure. the pieces that I feel kind of come with staying in the game, so to speak, as you get older and have, like, more, like, exactly. concerns. Yeah, if you want to, like, have an established life and uh, you don't, you haven't, like, you're not Beyonce, basically. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty much the threshold at this point. You know, I guess there's, like, a couple tiers of existence. But for most of us who make art, you know, there's good times and there's bad times. And in between the good times, you have to, like, deal with shit. Yeah. And again, you're not skipping past the struggle part of the movie, you know, like it's sort of, and and I think that there's, and again, there's a very simplistic method of storytelling that's like, oh, there's a band, they get some attention, like they get signed, they get big and like the end. And it's like, well, no, like. They fuck it up. Here's the redemption. Yeah. 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 yeah, Oh yeah. yeah, There's this one gets fucked up on drugs and like, you know, whatever. Then there's a tearful reunion. Like it's. it's, Yeah. Gotta have the second act twist in there. We've we've seen that. And the fact that like, I, I don't, I feel like you just don't see bands of a certain level that are still doing it and like with those real life struggles where it isn't meant to be like super cynical and mocking almost like if you see it at all which you usually freaking don't but it's sort of like it's not really it's meant to imply that like there's some denigration of the quality because it's not more well known which is you don't here's here's my i'm gonna get down off the soapbox about this in a second but (laughs) you don't see that with comedians you only see it with music and i think that that's fascinating yeah it's because uh musical entertainment or whatever you want to call it is so has been tied to youth culture for so long You know, uh, the last few decades, you know, it's really, really, and especially these days, it's so based around youth culture for the most part, you know, and that's who it's marketed to and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, there's just kind of a stigma, I think, to a certain extent. Of course, there's like legacy artists and all this shit, but you can only have like new car smell once, (laughs) twice if you're lucky. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, and that's, yeah. and that's something where I don't know, like it, 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 it kind of seems like in a way culture has kind of become more uh, self-aware about certain things, but I feel like that's just like a huge myopic spot in culture that you know there can still oh, be for sure. valid stuff that isn't like world famous, especially as like stuff so so especially for rock music. Yeah, dude, are you kidding me? Like most most, I mean. I don't know. I might be biased, but like, I feel like most of anyone that's doing anything even worth fucking talking about in rock music is not twenty one. Not <laughs> not that I know of. Anyway, right? Yeah, no. You know? Yeah, boy. That's yes. Agreed. <laughs> like, I think it says it says something. I think like one of the best acts in rock and roll right now are fucking Hot Snakes, who are all like, you know, those those guys are older than we are. <laughs> yeah, or or like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds who are like experiencing more success now yep. than they ever did yeah. in their entire career and probably putting out, you know, more critically acclaimed records now than they ever did. And that's kind of a new phenomenon, you know, within the last, I don't know, 10 years where something like that's even possible. I, they're one of the first bands that I've seen that happen with, yeah. you know? It's it's pretty cool, though, honestly. Well, it, yeah. 
it was something like that, or like like the like when Mission of Burma got back together and yeah, did, yeah, yeah, did stuff that was as good as yeah, that or stuff. swans, yeah, yeah, you know. And I wonder all, about all that. I wonder about how much of that is kind of hooked into even like even though it's not youth culture, it's still like it's a it's a recognizable name mm-hmm. for a lot of people for sure. And the, the fact that like the Melvins can get on the top four top one hundred chart because nobody buys physical records anymore, <laughs> right? Exactly, which is fantastic. Yeah, you know, but, so, I don't. I, I wonder if that's kind of all hooked up together like that everything else has kind of changed underneath yeah. all of it yeah well and that's it's a strange world well and it's interesting you bring up the melvins of course because like the thing with melvins is they never stopped you right. know people the, the audience mm-hmm. in some cases tuned out and like tuned back in or whatever but like they've they continually doing their, thing. their work ethic is fucking insane yeah. like and it, it's the kind of thing I, where yeah go ahead i i, I feel like i feel like uh my group kind of suffered from a similar illness you know the fact that I never stopped was probably to the detriment of, you know, people use that as an opportunity sure. a oh, lot you, of the time. So you're saying you might have been might have been more advantageous to sort of dip out for a while and have, like, the big return and, like... <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah, you know what I mean? And yeah, you know what? Actually, that's... Um, you, yeah. You look at the way it goes, you know. I mean, that's kind of how it goes, you know. Yeah. you you they, they want you to go away. But... Unfortunately, I you know that's the exact kind of thing that will make me never go away because it's like fuck <laughs> right exactly that <laughs> no well and, yeah. and that's and that's something where and, and I think that and again when I when I last had you on the show uh, that la- that last Icarus line record I think is one of the best frankly like I think it's it's yeah it's kind of brutal and like, I do I, too I love that in the movie even you know you're. Uh, I don't know if say you were like the character of you is talking to the guy and he's talking about how like yeah there's song there's two songs like over eight minutes on here this is like kind of like an anti-commercial listen and it's it's like yeah but that's kind of like what makes it cool in the same side but doesn't make it a commercial entity and that was just something where what I found and, and again I don't want to repeat myself too much from having Michael on earlier but it, it's it, to me that was an identifiable thing because how many how many bands have had that exact same sort of like interaction and like that's something for where sure it becomes less about Joe and becomes less about the Icarus line it becomes more about just you know hitting that brick wall of, of no what it is you're doing is not in the zeitgeist enough for this to be Steven take a chance on it of any kind. And totally. Just... And even if it was, it would probably be the same answer, honestly. Because, right. you know, from my perspective, it's like probably even more relevant than it's given credit for. Well, and, and it's, it's the kind of thing where I think that was an interesting jumping off point for the movie, too. And that it's... <sighs> I'm trying to think if there's any movie I've seen that kind of has like that similar, similarish narrative. Because again, this is the section of that's mostly skipped past in the movie and the documentary as well, with the exception of that goddamn Tom Petty documentary, which like well. has like an hour and a half on Mud Crutch. I'm like, this is amazing. Like I'm I never expected to learn any of this, but like I'm totally down for all of it. We got four and a half hours. <laughs> you got four and a half hours to burn. You right. Know? You can do all you want. Maybe e- maybe eastbound and down. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not about a band, but no, but like structurally, it it has that, uh, yeah, that sort of like building thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually that's that's very astute. Well, I I know people that dip. I just I just want to relate it to Eastbound and Down because I love it. Yeah, it's a fucking great show. (laughs) Right. 
and to like uh and, and the fact that i know people that like didn't watch like the last season it's like oh my god like you missed like it all was building up to like that like it like ch- will change your entire perception of what came before it <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah it was like the best tv show for the last 10 years for me and 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 again, featuring uh, a not but not exactly likable main character as well. Like let's totally put it out there. Like I oh, mean, yeah. <laughs> like in this hateable scene. hateable character that you love. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that's and so. Where's I going with all that? Um, I don't remember. But he's bounding down, kicks ass. But <laughs> fuck yeah, I know. I just keep derailing you. I'm sorry. Ah, it's fine, dude. There's, there's, there's very the, the rail is mostly in my mind anyway, so it it all works out. Uh, when when I had you on last time though, that record was still pretty fresh, and you were yeah. just starting a tour with a uh, Scott Weiland and the Wild Hearts. Wow. Yeah, it was around that time, wasn't it? It was. And that was fucked. Yeah. So can you can you can you speak a little bit to to, to yeah? Because I was like three days into the tour or something, right? Wow. Yeah. I think the next day we quit. To be honest, I think uh, three days in. Yeah. You know what? We did. The next day was the last Icarus Line show. I'm pretty sure because I remember talking to you in my backyard. And if the tour had already started, then I think I told them that we were leaving the tour after I talked to you. <laughs> wow. And that the next night would be our last show, and that was the last show of the group as well. Yeah, because he um, fucking died. Shit. Well, yeah, he didn't die that day. We left before he died because I already knew he was going to die. Oh. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I had seen him the night before and kind of had this, like, sort of conversation in the parking lot and I just kind of looked into his eyes and I was like, okay, this dude's toast. And, uh, and I, you know, it wasn't even like something I really wanted to do anyway. It was an ill fit for what we were doing. I mean, it was like, yeah, this is not the right space for my music. That's for sure. And, you know, everyone was gracious and cool. I'm not like talking shit on them as an organization or no, anybody. No, no. It just it, it seemed like a just, weird fit. You know, right, come right. on. Yeah, yeah it, it's a wrong. It's a it, it, it didn't fit, and I knew that no matter what, even if he didn't die, uh, we we had a good chance of being. Stra- it was like five weeks long, so we had a good chance of being stranded somewhere, mm-hmm. and then I'd be strapped trying to get everybody back home from halfway across the country or all the way across the country, you know? And, um, yeah, if you got someone that unreliable yeah. that's like sort of captaining the ship, so to speak, I mean, big time, yeah. the whole thing kind of hinged on that. And uh, aside from that, you know, uh, the musical portion was kind of tough too, because Alvin wasn't able to play at that point. Yeah. And, uh, it just wasn't really the same. And the last record really, he's really, he it centers around his bass playing right and uh without without that you know uh it was kind of you know it it was somewhat of a pastiche of his bass playing which you know that's like that's just the way it goes with music like that because a lot of it was kind of recorded in the moment and written on the spot and it's the type of thing that he would rewrite every night so trying to get someone else to kind of it's not hurry up into that yeah. mental space 
is like forget it you know it's you're 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 making compromises and that's enough for me to just not want to do it you know too many compromises and i'm out it's just not real well that was something that and that made for a cool kind of set of scenes in the movies too where you see you know the the movie alvin you know kind of and you're like oh why is he what's going on like why is he oh shit i see he's not he's not well (laughs) yeah 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 it's 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 pretty strange there's two people in the movie that have since passed away that are prominently featured you know so that's that's uh i don't even know what that means but it is yeah it's almost like uh You know, it's like that's a, that's the last thing they appear in, and like you you want to think it's not going to be like a, you know Raul Julia and like Street Fighter like situation, um, <laughs> but you know like yeah, <laughs> we're like like oh yeah, shit, I mean, that it, guy's dead it, now. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty it's pretty wild, you know. Um, it's definitely you know since he was one of my closest friends for most of my life, it's it doesn't make kind of watching the movie any easier, but uh, yeah, it's gotta be kind of hard. At the same time, it's cool that we got got to capture a little bit of his spirit before he's gone you know so yeah. that that is something that's very cool to me well and i definitely you know it, it's it's interesting that you know it, it's cool that he was able to be like part of like the, that narrative and kind of um yeah kind of captured in, in that way and be a part of it and also sure. I mean, it, it's a very real kind of thing too and it's it, it's the oh kind yeah of thing where, i mean real life happens you know that, like and it's, it's, on, that it's was on the screen his parents house that he lived in you know because he couldn't walk anymore and he lived in their living room in that room we were chilling it you know so like you know that's where i drove to every other day to check on him when shit was starting to go down you know so yeah it's that's the real thing that's it you know which is almost kind of uh you know, that's almost more more real than most documentaries get. To yeah, be honest. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The only one I can think you of know? is the uh um you know, the Sharon Jones doc. Uh Yeah, the Sharon Jones doc or Roland S. Howard one has some pretty serious moments when he's going through chemo, but uh Or Glenn Campbell yeah, where he's know, like he's like got Alzheimer's the whole time and oh, like yeah. he's like, you know, getting yeah, worse and worse fuck. as time goes on. Yeah. For yeah. sure, for sure. Well, that's yeah. a fucking drag. Tough stuff. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It is. But you know what? We don't we don't really dwell on that too much, I don't think, in the film. No, you know, no, it's no, kind it's... of just, it's just like how real life is in a certain way where it's like, it's just, when you're going through that with someone, it's part of everyday life, and you adjust to what that reality is. You know, like that just becomes part of what is going on in your daily life, you know, and it's much more mundane than it is dramatic in a certain sense, because that's just how life is now. And you're on this path of preparation for whatever the fuck's going to happen. Yeah. And then also you kind of end up in, you know, like I was I was actually talking to someone on this last tour about, you know, with the first three things we talked about were like mutual friends that had died. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. it's like, Oh, I guess we're at the, the point now of like, instead of talking about who got married, we're talking about who start talking about who died. Like, and that's 
Yeah. That's kind of where yeah. we're at. Yeah. And that's totally messed old, up. Old but... folk shit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm laughing, but, you know but what? it's not like, that funny, you know? People were, people were dying, you know, even when we were kids. You know what I mean? It's like, shit, man. The first drummer of our band died when we were 18. That was the first one of, like, a shitload of people that have died. You know? So it's kind of a weird... Uh, I don't know... I don't know if it's like that for everyone. I don't think it is, but definitely fucking, uh, you know, been surrounded by it for a long time, which is like maybe why the music sounds the way it does. I, I was going to say, do you feel like that, you know? that sort of colors the music mm. and the, and I, where you're coming from, from it? I, I mean, it has to, you know, it's like, uh, when you're, you know, experiencing like loss, over a uh, extended period of time on a semi-regular basis for some, for some reason, you know, I guess uh, it puts you in the seat to try to explain it. If you're like an artist who's like expressing shit. So whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for your career, you know, that's, you know, you, you know, good artists or some of my favorite artists, you know, they're really kind of like crystallizing what's going on around them yeah, to a certain right. extent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, I mean, if you're writing with any degree of, you know, empathy, it's hard to not let that get to be part of it, I suppose. For sure. For sure. You know, um, that doesn't negate the good times, you know, it, sure. it doesn't, you know, it's just, that's part of it. So, so yeah, you know, uh, to answer the question, like long windedly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay you've heard this show you know you, you know you know that I'll, yeah. I'll have a i'll have a question that's as long as what your answer was and you'll be like yep exactly <laughs> pontification.org uh in, in a wildly <clears throat> disparate change of topic it, it it delighted me to no end to see the um the 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 character in in the movie uh, that was fucking around with the pedals that you told that story last time that uh, oh yeah <laughs> that guy just tried out and was just dicking around with the pedals for seemingly oh yeah an eternity uh, and I felt like that was oh, did I kind of, I kind of told you about that when we were talking yeah you last did. time and it was something where like oh, okay. I, I feel like that was such a relatable thing that like yeah where's that in a movie right and then like to be like oh there it is it's right there and he's just like <laughs> oh I just need some you know a couple more minutes to dial it in it's like. Dude, you've been doing this for yeah. a while. Like you should have done that before you showed up. <laughs> like, right? What are you doing? It's time to start playing Louie Louie and have everyone walk. <laughs> um, so, so I appreciated that. I appreciated um, a, a lot of, of, of the the more sort of base mechanical elements of of, of a lot of. Man, it. Ariel's so great in the movie, man. He's so great in it. Honestly, he's really. He really kind of just did what that character is for everyone, you know? It's right, just, yeah. It's a, it's a he, trope. It's he a knows trope. that character, yeah. you know what I mean? He yeah. knows it just as well as anybody who's been in a fucking band that's been around for longer than two minutes, you know? So he just, man, he just nailed it. Yeah. I was I was pretty amazed. No, it, it's, it was definitely, it was a, it was a highlight for me in, in a movie that already had a lot of highlights, and especially because I don't think I've ever seen that on a screen 
<laughs> of any kind because even right? in a documentary they're gonna not they're not gonna they're show gonna that part that, of it. Yeah. the fucking guy is not gonna be in there <laughs> even in the Metallica documentary where they uh, they get uh, Crab Walker um, uh, Rob Turillo <laughs> <laughs> like yep. you see them like try out uh, it's a fucking guy from uh, it's a, a Twiggy from Marilyn Manson it's um you know like, this oh, one yeah 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 but you don't that see the guy shit. you don't see the guy that's just like shitting his pants and like you know it sucks <laughs> sucks out loud <laughs> the guy who starts playing the wrong song right know, it's yeah. like that's what we want to see dude <laughs> just blowing it yeah <laughs> <laughs> That would have been amazing. Oh my god! Yeah, where's that documentary? Fuck! <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> yeah, you know it is. That's actually I say that now, but there's there's probably gonna be James Hetfield with his fucking SF Giants colored guitar is gonna be in it. Like it's gonna be a whole, it's a whole thing. Right? <laughs> Someone quits the the band because he's like wearing Nazi gear or something, and it's just like, all right. Who's going to be Lars? <laughs> Literally anyone. Oh. Right? Exactly. My switch, dog. Switch James over to drums. It'll be good. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. You know what? Kirk will just take care of the drums, too. He's, yes. <laughs> that's fine. He'll exactly. Sort, he'll sort that. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> just go all fucking, uh, fucking skeleton crew where everybody just has one like drum they work with a kick. It's like, like so he's just got to hit the snares. Doing the Bob Log. Yeah. <laughs> Metallica's Bob Log. Fuck, I'd go see Metallica if they that. pulled that shit. <laughs> you know, he looks like he's pretty, like he could maybe pull something off, you know? <laughs> he looks coordinated. You see him riding that horse and shit. That's you know right. what I mean? You're like, there's more There's more to this guy, for sure. There's more to this guy than we're seeing. Yeah, for sure. That's 100%. Right? True. You're totally right. It might be a wig or he might be like multidextrous. We don't know. <laughs> But there's there's definitely something there. God damn it! <laughs> oh Christ! <laughs> so um, <laughs> so so is the movie uh, and and I don't want to give spoilers away for the movie. Obviously, it, it's not a hundred percent true to life. But the yeah. English line kind of falling apart. Uh, that beget um, you doing the the, the holy war stuff and kind of you know yeah moving away from like the big rock thing especially as it kind of seemed like especially latter-day icarus line was developing a sort of uh and again it was mentioned earlier like a nick cave and the bad seeds big band kind of kind of uh element to it and then yeah the, it was definitely more symphonic of a group near the end than it was at the beginning in certain ways and then it kind of seems like uh, like the new stuff is just way taken aback. Like it's all very like uh, like electronic. Like it's almost um, uh, you know what, Leonard Cohen-y a couple times, but more, the more yeah. like eighties uh, y yeah uh, Leonard Cohen stuff. And you know it's it's cool and it's definitely something that's you. But I mean, was that something where you're just like I'm just gonna try something different, or were you just writing songs in a different way? Like how did you get to doing that? Um. I mean, okay, here, here, I'll give you, I'll try to give the shortest answer possible, but, uh, after the, the group pretty much dissolved after that last show we did, it wasn't really, you know, I, I, I already knew the band was over when I did All Things Under Heaven. Like, when I finished it, I was like, cool, that is the period on the end of the sentence, for sure. Like, I knew it. And I felt obligated to the people that had invested to try to make, you know, some kind of touring happened and 
try to help help sell this product that they had invested in, you know. Right. And then when Alvin got sick, it made it that much harder to really justify that. So after that group was pretty much, you know, it was dissolved. I didn't really tell anyone or anything. It just was over and everyone that was in knew. Um, but, you know, that's about it. I tried to, you know, a month or two went by. I didn't really know what I was doing with my life um, and started jamming with, you know, notable musicians around Los Angeles. And there's a lot of great musicians here and, you know, some informal writing sessions, etc. and putting bands in a room, you know, just various people that have been like, it would be really cool to play with them and them, them, and putting these combinations together. And uh, no matter what I did it pretty much sounded like the Icarus line. Mm. And I just, you know, like my hand is just heavy on a band. You know, it's just really, you know, if I'm in the room, it's going to start sounding like what I do. Um, and so it really actually, like, put me off to just the idea of being in a band. And I, I think I already was put off to the idea of being in a band, but since, you know, like yourself, coming from like a sort of like DIY, punk, whatever you want to call it, independent music background, you know, it's a working class mentality where yeah. you're like, yeah. you get some guys, you get them in a room, and that's how you do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's almost, it's almost kind of sad to, to be honest, you know, that's, that's how I, I kind of see it at this point in my life that I wasn't able to kind of look past that, you know, that I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't open to it for the longest time, probably a lot longer than I should have been. But, uh, you know, that's just where it came from, you know, very sort of working class, lower working class background. And that was seemed attainable, available and everything else just was, it wasn't part of my, my vocabulary vernacular, whatever, you know, um, but concurrent with all these events, I had been, you know, working on an NPC in the laundry room of my house at night to blow off steam, mm. you know, because things with the band, although I had kind of tuned the band to be as immediate as possible, sheerly by staffing the band, you know, by putting people in places where it's like, I do not have to talk to this person and they will play something I like, mm, you know, yeah, and, yeah. uh, you know, talk as little as possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could say three sentences, point to a couple notes and be like, you know what the fuck you're doing? Do it. <laughs> and that, you know, and it gets done and it's like, this is awesome. But still at that rate, it's still slow. You know, it's still yes. <laughs> a communal writing process. And, uh, being oh, able to, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and for me as a composer, it, you know, it was a frustrating thing for my entire life and being able to compose instrumentals at home at the speed of thought, um, you know, getting over the fact what's real, what's fake, what's that, whatever, mm -hmm. it doesn't fucking matter. You know, it's like, man, if you put a brush in my hand, I'm going to make something. And that's exactly what that was. Yeah. Um, and I started making these instrumentals and beats and shit at night. And, you know, sometimes six of them, you know, a night in a couple hours, you know, and <laughs> yeah, it, it was, a, you know, it's been a prolific way for me to write. And the cool thing about these, the sounds I'm using is that 
they're you know they're kind of already in the box a lot of them or they're samples that i'm manipulating or samples that i created but they're already in a state that's semi-finished so that the energy of the pieces like evolves rapidly and for someone like me to be into into a song in about 25 minutes and it already sounds like a record that's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And that's what that's what I want. And it happens a lot quicker than everyone banging stuff out in a room and you know having to come back to oh, stuff yeah. and like winnow out. Like, wait, you're playing Put that? Like, mics, <laughs> headphones, yeah. garbage. You know what I mean? That is all just shit in between my idea being in my head and being done. Right. You know, and that to me is like, well, fuck. Why the fuck am I dealing with this? So, anyways, it became somewhat of a you know, a pastime or whatever, or something to blow off steam. Eventually, time's gone by. I'm just producing records and kind of kind of trying to find some sort of rudder. Um, I think I was probably working with Annie Hardy on uh, her record when David Bowie passed away. I think that's kind of that was kind of the impetus. One day I came down to the studio, threw one of the beats up, and just sang on it. Hmm. And it wasn't awesome, but it wasn't terrible. And I was like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. Maybe there's something here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's all you need, right? All you need is some hope, you know? It's not about, like, you know, you can't always just have canned magic, you know? Sometimes you just need, like, enough to, sit, like, get you out of the quicksand that your mind is in. You know, because at this point, I'm just like, I'm pretty much done. And um, and it was enough to kind of push me into working on, on material. So I started singing on this shit. And uh, I would say even up to the point where I had sang on like 70 songs, and I was taking the project seriously as an art project, as something that I was like, I need to complete this. And it was music that really meant something to me more so than what I had been doing before. Um, just because it was, I don't know, it was more in line with the taste, how my taste had evolved. It wasn't like, oh, you have a band. What do you do with a band? You have to do rock music with a band. Or, and, you know, there's always some fucking angle with a band. And with this, there's like no angle to me. It's just like, cool, just do whatever comes out. Because no one's ever going to hear it. So who gives a fuck? You know, um, <laughs> right? Yeah, which is that's the most free, you know, and yeah. true thing ever, too. Yeah, it's it's fucking awesome, right? So that's that's kind of uh, what I let I, I let that sort of mentality lead me throughout the process because even when I started singing, I didn't I didn't really think anybody would ever hear it, and I kind of didn't want anyone to ever hear it. You know, I just you know being put through the record cycle after record cycle and whatever. I just had no interest in doing that ever again. You know, it's like, I've done it. I know what it's like, don't fucking care. You know what I mean? I need to make, I obviously need to make things to keep myself okay right, in the yeah, universe, yeah. but yeah. I don't really need validation from anyone. I know what's fire. I know what's not. So it doesn't fucking matter, you know? Um, and at some point, I started letting people hear it besides me and my uh, co-production partner, Masmano, and, you know, close friends. And people became encouraging. And next thing you know, someone's offering me a record deal, and I haven't even, like, played a show. 
and uh you know like the kind of shit that never happens basically (laughs) you know um that that kind of shit and you know one thing led to another and that's pretty much how the the project evolved and to be honest I wasn't even really, I was kind of leveraging the music so that I could make films, you know, so that Mm -hmm. I could make the Holy War film. That's really what the, you know, to me, it was like the music's just this like personal thing that I did. But if someone wants to fucking put into that bad enough to let me make some films, then I will, you know, release this super personal music out into the world, you know? Well, and that, and, and of course, for the for the listeners that don't know, the Holy War uh, is a different film project than the <laughs> currently premiering Nicholas Land Must Die. That is a completely different movie, completely different film, yeah. completely different project altogether. Uh, that is that is totally. coming coming down coming relatively soon, ish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. August. Yeah. August. Okay. We're, we're gonna re- release it. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, that's that's the basic story. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's, it's like a weird. Pure, it's like more uh, pure creative expression, and you kind of finding what excites you to make stuff, right? Yeah, super ambitious uh, creatively, not ambitious whatsoever professionally. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool, nice. Yeah, <laughs> I can dig that absolutely. <laughs> Just what all the investors want to hear. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah I was, was going to say, that'll resonate with our audience, but that's not necessarily going to resonate with the money people. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That changes as like projects take, take on a life that's of true. their own. That's you know true. what I mean? It's, as long as you know that the artwork that you're working on is intact, it's a lot easier for me to kind of show up, talk about it, and release it into the wild and kind of like let all the cool potential of it just disappear into the ether when you know you actually know you did a good job yeah or you know it's meaningful you, you know what i mean if it, yeah that's the only kind of the only way anymore because otherwise how the fuck are you going to get behind it <laughs> you might as well just like should have gone to college or some shit yeah i mean what one tim from silkworm says something really poignant about this and i'm totally gapping on what exactly he said but it was definitely oh, along like along those same lines of yeah. like as long as you're doing stuff that you know really excites you and makes you kind of like want to keep moving forward like it's always cool when people come along for the ride but like not not investing yourself into having to really give a damn about that is right, very, a right. very freeing place to be. Yeah, it, it has to be super meaningful, you know? And, like, obviously, you know, with this project, it's like, do, do I think, like, anyone that likes my band will even like it? I kind of highly doubted it, to be honest, because there's, like, auto-tune all over it. <laughs> and uh, it's, you know... It's actually like really melodic compared to a lot of the work I've done in the last ten years. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's super super melodic and and uh, really, it's really personal. It doesn't. It's not demanding attention like some of the other music did. You know, so yeah, kind of strange that way. But it also would probably sound fine coming out of a MacBook speakers like unaccompanied as well too, which means it makes it kind of of its time. Also, oh fuck yeah! Are you t- 
dude, in a car, that shit bangs, man. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Yeah. It's like, you can play it right next to Gucci Mane, you know? And it's just like, yeah, yeah. this shit fucking rattles. <laughs> and that's a nice place to be, too, even if it wasn't necessarily any place you particularly planned out to be at. Exactly. But that, that was definitely part of the plan. It was like, fuck, man, I, I don't want my record to come on after Gucci Mane and, like, want to skip it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, <hey. laughs> you know, which which is as laudable as it is specific. <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh shit. Well, and, and on that note, uh, I, I, I can't think of, I can't think of a better way to, uh, to to close this off. Um, uh, Joe, it's, it's really cool. good talking to you, good man. I'm I'm, I'm uh, like I said, I was Likewise. I was super psyched on the movie. I, I'm recommending everybody go see it in the theater. Uh, I I think it's like yeah. it looks really cool like and especially like I think it would be a good says the guy who watched it on a computer alone Man. but like I think like watching as a communal experience I think I think people will find a lot to resonate uh, with on that even if it isn't necessarily uh, specifically about if you get it you and about the Icarus line necessarily yeah it doesn't matter really if you're a fan of the group or not but if you get a chance to see it in a theater it's uh it's a cool experience just because of, you know, the score to the movie yeah. comes across in such a more uh, intense way that, like, it's just never going to happen like that anywhere else. So it's mm. like, I don't know, there's a brief window right now where people can see it the way it's supposed to be. So, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely worth it if you, you know, want to fucking... Get your eardrum speed up a little bit. <laughs> it's definitely worth it if you like things that are awesome and don't suck. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, and then is the best place for people to find the new stuff on on SoundCloud? I can't believe you're using SoundCloud, dude. It's like you and a bunch of fucking mixtape uh, rappers. You know, like whatever you you just Google Joe Cardamone Hollywood and you'll find something. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, YouTube YouTube has it. You know, I, I that's oh, kind that's of right. where. Sure, I, sure. Yeah, yeah, it's all on YouTube. It's on SoundCloud. It's wherever. Just Google it. <laughs> Fire right. up the Google machine. Right? from 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 the man himself. Just Google it, guys. Come on. Yeah. Get the you, fuck out of here. You know how we do now. That's it's right. Just like it's. It's everywhere, man. <laughs> it's like if you can't find it, you're you're fired. You're done. <laughs> pick a pack of your things and go, sir. You're not my boss. I don't <laughs> care. Pack of your things and go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you fucking heard me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe, a great. <laughs> and on that note, uh, great great talking to you, dude. Um, you uh, too. Ch- check it down the line. All right. All right. Cool. Have a good one, you guys. All right, take care. Later. There he goes, <laughs> Joe Cardamone. Uh, good dude, man. I could I could talk to that guy for forever. Yeah. Like he's a he's a good talker. Like we didn't get any of the salacious stuff either. Uh, we could have. Yeah, that's because right. that, that's because we go here at Controversial. We don't go for the low hanging. We want to hear about your artistic process. Exactly. Tell Is me about your process. On? How do you do the things that you do? <laughs> we do. That's, yeah. that's, I didn't fucking ask him the goddamn question. That, that I started, ah, remember? Oh. The actual Shit. question that I just sort of started asking the episode 100? Fuck, check ah. it back. Eh, nah. fuck it, whatever. <laughs> That's right, next <laughs> he, time. He basically answered it. Let's just he, pretend I... He real, honestly, with the whole thing about the solo album, yeah, he yeah, really yeah, did. Yeah. Just, let's just pretend I asked, like, I'll edit myself in asking the question. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> did you ever, uh, did you ever see that Twisted Sister documentary? No, should I? It's honestly, here's the thing about it. It's, you know, when you say the stuff that everybody, like we've been talking about, like in the first five minutes, the struggle. Yeah. It ends before we're not going to take it hits. Oh, so really? So it's entirely the struggle. No. Oh. Fuck yeah, I mean, they were around for like 15 years before yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, okay, so I'll, crazy. I'll watch that shit. Yeah, there's that, and then uh, Joe Jackson's book. Oh, he I hear, yeah, yeah. Same thing, where it's just like, yeah, and then I got famous. No one cares about that shit. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> so there are there are a few things out there. If I write a book, if, so so first of all, this is going to be, you have to suspend disbelief. If, <laughs> if I ever get famous, and I write a book, the last chapter will be, and then I got famous, you get it. And yeah. that'll be that'll be the whole chapter, and that'll be the end chapter. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I promise you, and it will only be, and I will not call it my struggle, though, because I feel like that would be a bad title. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, folks. <laughs> oh, Oof. thank you. Thank you so much. I know. Just blow the belt, Edwin. What, what, what are they going to do? They can't all be wieners. <laughs> You've been listening once again to Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you so much. Uh, go find Icarus Line on the internet. Um, the Icarus Line Must Die is the name of the movie. Google there's a Facebook page. There's like a Twitter, Instagram, there's all that stuff. Uh, you can find Joe Cardamone on SoundCloud with a bunch of mixtape rappers as well as in other places, YouTube, all that stuff. Oh, there's actually a couple of really good videos. I haven't talked yeah. about that. <laughs> Whatever. Next time. Next time. Electricity. Thursdays, eight, uh, this show. Sorry. Can you hear me? No, no, no. <laughs> Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, 5 p.m. Pacific. RadioNutron.com for the archives. I got my radio on. Thanks for listening, folks. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. 
is no special girl! It's the... It's the end of radio! The last announcer plays the last record! The last what? Leaves the transmitter! Circles the globe in search of a listener! Can you hear me now? if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day, You know, he looks like he's pretty, like he could maybe pull something off, you know? 
I, he looks coordinated. <laughs> you see him riding that horse and shit. That's you know right. what I mean? You're like, there's more. There's more to this guy for sure. There's more to this guy that we're seeing. Yeah, for sure. That's a hundred percent right. True. You're totally right. It might be a wig, or he might be like multidextrous. We don't know. <laughs> but there's there's definitely something there. God damn it.